0: Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Hey, as uh, as they told you just a minute ago, we're going to be in Colossians 4 this morning. We are continuing our series, King Forever, and uh, uh, man, I-, I think this has been like one of the best series yet. I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed uh, really learning, like digging deep into a, a single book of the Bible and like working all the way through it. So uh, we're actually continuing on in chapter four this morning. Uh, and if you're joining us online, uh, I wanna say welcome. We're really glad you're here. Uh, maybe just, uh, you can you can even chime in. You can, If you need to say an amen, just do that online. Just type that in the comments. Um, If you're here for the first time this morning, I just want to say welcome. We're just really glad that you're here. Uh, My name is Matt Smith. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, um, I want to just kind of dive into stuff this morning. But before I do, I uh, I want to ask you a couple questions. I kind of want to take a little survey. Uh, you don't have to raise your hands for this. Not, we're not going to put anybody on the spot. But maybe answer these questions internally, because uh, uh, these are questions that maybe, that maybe come up uh, in our own minds as we hear some of this stuff through Scripture. Uh, so first I want to ask you, uh, do you feel uh, qualified or equipped to share the gospel? Um, do, you, uh, do you get excited to share the gospel? Do you experience, or maybe you experience fear or anxiety about sharing the gospel. Uh, If if you've ever experienced fear or hesitation around sharing the gospel with someone, uh, let me assure you, you are not alone. Uh, You are not alone. I am right there with you. Uh, That's something that it's like, that's always there. Uh, So some thoughts that might race through your head uh, as as you're thinking about this might be, if you're presented with the opportunity to share the gospel, that you might be thinking, well, what if they reject me? Um, what if, uh, what if I have, they have questions that I can't answer? Uh, I'm not qualified, right? Or uh, what if I don't know what to say? Uh, what if they say no? Or what if they say yes, right? Uh, so it, it, this is not just you. In fact, in a, a recent survey of, of Christians, this is when asked what prevents them from sharing the gospel, uh, here's some, some data. Uh, 22% said fear was the reason they didn't share the gospel. 17% said that they didn't have opportunities. 10% said they didn't feel equipped. 9% said that uh, others are not interested in their faith. You know, they thought people were not not interested in Christianity. 8% feared rejection. 8% said they were too busy. And 4% said they were too shy. So uh, there's countless, there are countless what-ifs uh, and, and, and reasons not to and hesitations about sharing the gospel, and yet in Matthew 28, Jesus' command to go into all the nations and make disciples couldn't be more clear. It's really clear. So what help does Scripture give us regarding how to grow in the desire and the motivation to share the gospel? That's exactly what Paul's talking about in Colossians 4. Uh, <clears throat> so as we dig into that this morning, uh, I'm actually going gonna, gonna to go ahead and, and read that, and you can follow along. It's going to be on the screen, or you can follow along in your Bible, but we're going to read Colossians 4, uh, verses 2 through 6. So uh, this says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone so Paul has, the Apostle Paul, who's in prison, has just written uh, this letter. Uh, he's written three chapters of this letter to a church uh, full of new believers and, uh, and three chapters that really describe the gospel and what God has done on our behalf. Um, he's described what a life transformed by the gospel looks like based on their new identity in Christ and, uh, and the Holy Spirit living in them. Um, And now he's calling them to action, right? So he's calling them to action. The first action he's actually calling them to is prayer. Uh, So Paul is saying what he's saying here is that a life that is being transformed by the gospel, uh, one that has experienced God's grace, is actually drawn to prayer. Uh, The kind of prayer Paul's talking about is not. This is not like a like a self centered prayer. Uh, You know, while it's clearly not wrong to ask. For things in prayer, um, the life of a believer that's encountered God's grace sees everything through the lens of that grace. Um, so when, uh, when they pray, their prayers actually start to reflect the character of God. You know, His grace shapes the way they think and the way that they pray. So when you encounter, when you encounter the truth of the gospel, when you grasp it, when you really see it, the natural response is, is prayer when you come to the understanding that that you can't uh, you you need a savior and you can't save yourself and only Jesus can. When you experience the grace of God's forgiveness, when you could never earn it, when you realize that Jesus loved you so much that He paid everything so that you could have relationship with Him, the only place you can go is to your knees. You know the only right response to the gospel is gratefulness and humility. So uh, a life that's saved by grace really is a life of dependence. Prayer, prayer is actually intentional dependence on God. It's constantly reaffirming that Jesus is Lord and also that I'm not. Uh, so when Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer with a thankful heart, he is reminding uh, the, the Colossian church, he's reminding them, look at the grace of God. Look at God's grace. So, you, you, what you see is you see that the gospel transforms our lives, it changes everything. Um, you know, we talk about the gospel a lot here at Lighthouse, and you'll, you'll hear that term used a lot. And uh, I would be foolish to assume that everyone here fully understands what the gospel is. Um, in fact, uh, a, majority, a majority of Americans who describe themselves as Christians, 52% in fact, uh, accept a works-oriented means to God's acceptance and approval. So what that means is they believe that a, if a person is generally good or, or does good enough things in their life, they will earn a place in heaven or God will approve of them and accept them. So to, at the very least, there seems to be confusion among Christians about the gospel, so here, Paul's actually calling it God's mysterious plan. He's, he's uh, uh, actually earlier in, in chapter 2, he said he, that he wanted the Colossians to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Now that statement alone might, might be confusing because it's like, well, how on earth am I going to uh, understand the mysterious plan of God? you know how am i going to have complete confidence in that and paul's placing a, a great importance in, just in these verses we read on on the clarity of the gospel so it's probably important to talk about that You know, there's multiple places in scripture where you're going to see the the gospel described in detail. And and we've we've just gone through them in Colossians. So we've seen that in Colossians. Uh, Another spot where you might see that would be like Romans 1 or Ephesians 2. And these are places that you can go. You don't have to go there right now, but maybe this week that's someplace to actually look. So Romans 1, Ephesians 2, 1 Corinthians 15, all describe the gospel in great clarity. In fact,. Uh, I'll let you in on a little bit, a little secret, uh, the topic of the entirety of Scripture, the entire Bible, the topic of it is the gospel, right? So every single per- verse in Scripture points to Jesus. From the beginning to the end, all of it points to Jesus, and the whole Bible is about him. So when we talk about the gospel, what we're really talking about is we're talking about Jesus, And the word gospel, the word gospel actually means good news. So we're talking about the good news about Jesus. So what is that? Um, If we had to, like one way that we might sum that up, if we were just going to tell this in a a narrative, we, we would say something like this. In the beginning, through Jesus, God created everything. He created us with the purpose of having perfect relationship with him under his leadership. But rather than God's leadership, we chose self-leadership and sin that led to death. Through that sin, all of mankind was separated from God, and that relationship was broken. God provided a solution to that problem. And Jesus, who is God, came into the world as a man, and he lived a perfect life without sin, and glorified God in everything. He lived the life that we should have lived. Uh, Because of his love for us, he died and took the punishment for our sin on himself to make us right before God. God raised him from the dead, and now because of him, God has forgiven all of our sin and reconciles us to himself. This is the free gift of God. God. It's for everyone, and there is nothing anyone can do to earn it. It is only by God's unmerited grace that we're saved. So, everyone, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus and follows him has new eternal life, forgiveness, and relationship with God. And because of him, God now sees us as holy and blameless. You know, scripture even describes it like this because of Jesus, it says, God remembers our sin no more. So so the question with this is, like, where's the mystery? You know, this is a mystery concerning Christ. I mean, you can know that and completely understand it, and you can know all that information, and you can know all those things about the gospel, but the real mystery here is why. Like, uh, why would God do that for me? Because from our human point of view, uh, grace, God's grace, is a complete mystery. Uh, it goes against every logical thought about what's right, wrong, what is fair, what's just, until, until you realize that because of Jesus, it's not just fair, it's actually more than fair. You know, the penalty of sin had to be paid, and God himself paid it for us. So not only is the gospel fair, it's actually more than fair. God gave us everything when we deserved Nothing. When we were his enemies and murdered his son, he rescued us from death and destruction, and he forgave our sins and made us a part of his family. That, that type of love is almost impossible to understand. We can't even imagine that. That's what Paul's saying. That's what he wants us to. He wants us to fully comprehend that. He wants us to feel the full weight of the grace of God. And that's that's actually what God wants. God wants to overwhelm us with his love. You know, Paul says it like this in Romans 2. Don't you know that the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance, right? To turn us from our self-leadership to his leadership. So we can't, we can't even imagine what that type of love's like. So when you understand that type of love, though, the, through the gospel, it completely reorients your life you know once you see that kind of grace you can't unsee it not only does god change he changes the way that you pray he actually he completely changes the way that you view the world and how you view people who are far from him people who need to be rescued from sin and death just like you now you can't You can't bypass the gospel when you read the verses that we just read, and and be careful to try not to remove the gospel from Scripture, uh, because that's what it's about, right? So if you do that, then all you see are imperative statements in Scripture and, and things that you have to do to be a good Christian right? Uh, resist the urge to boil Scripture down to morals and instructions, because if, if that is what you see, then it's really, really easy to fall into a trap of religion and, and think, God approves of me because I do these things. Or maybe in context of this, we would state it like this, because I pray and share the gospel, I'm a good Christian. Because then you miss grace altogether. You miss the message of the gospel. Instead, Instead of the gospel, you actually settle for a substitute, and that substitute is sure to only bury you in guilt and obligation and ultimately failure. So you aren't a good Christian because you do these things. You are forgiven. What you have to see is you're forgiven because Christ already did all of these things perfectly on your behalf. Right? <clears throat> When you realize or when you really experience God's grace and you you know that it's not about earning or deserving, then when you read scripture, like with that in mind, when you read scripture, you see it on every page and you see it in every verse and it's all, all of it is about the gospel. All of it's about God's grace. So Jesus is constantly describing what grace looks like. It's not like anything else in the world. It's not fairness. It's far more than that. It's not, it's not because we were good enough and he accepted us. It's because we were evil and he was perfect. Jesus lived the life that I should have lived, and he died the death that I deserved. No one else has done that. Actually, no other world religion makes those claims. You know, Every other religion says, do these things so I will approve of you and, uh, and, and reward you. But Jesus Christ alone says, uh, I know that you can't do these things, so I will do them for you, and I will take your punishment in your place so that you can be blameless. That's grace. That's why, that's why when we pray, we pray with thankful hearts, because we've received way more than we deserve, and there's no way that we could ever repay it. We can't, we can't earn it. In fact, I mean, you can't go back and unsin. Um, <clears throat> we deserve the exact opposite of what we receive. So you see, God's grace actually does change everything in the life of the believer. <clears throat> it doesn't, and so when we read those verses, we read these verses in Colossians, it doesn't just reorient our thinking. It actually reoriented Paul's thinking as well. If you look at the way that he asked the Colossian church to pray for him, he says, pray for us too, That God will give us many opportunities to share the gospel. That is why I am here in chains. So, Paul isn't asking them to pray for God to get them out of prison. He's not praying for a change of circumstances. Because, you know, in fact, when I read this the first time, what I heard was, well, I'm in prison for preaching the gospel that 's not at all what paul 's saying, actually, if you put that in context it, of what's, what, what he 's written here he 's not saying that at all what he 's saying because god 's grace is transforming paul what he 's really saying is that 's why i 'm here in chains to preach the gospel right so he he is i mean that 's not normal it 's not even normal to think like that yet that 's the voice of somebody who has a radically different view of his circumstances because of the gospel because now he believes I am here in chains. To share the good news with the world. So he's reoriented his thinking. That's what happens when God rescues us. He reorients our thinking. Prayer is not getting God to make the world the way that we want it. Instead, through prayer, we actually start to see the world the way that God sees it. We start to see our circumstances from a radically different perspective. You see, instead of rescue, uh, Paul is praying for open doors for the gospel. He, he's praying for God to open his mouth to share the gospel clearly. He's praying that the way that he lives in difficult circumstances would make the gospel crystal clear. He's praying wh- what he's praying for. He's praying for dependence on God. He doesn't want to lead anybody towards a substitute. He doesn't want to lead anybody towards religion. He wants everybody to experience the life-changing grace of God the way that he has. You see, God is speaking through Paul to the Colossian church. But wait, there's more. God is actually speaking to us through Paul as well right? So he's calling us to share the gospel with the world. What God's really saying here is that we, as followers of Christ, are plan A for God's plan to take the gospel to the world. And there is no plan B. This is it. So now the gospel, uh, it it reorients more than just our prayers. It reorients our entire life. You know, It it changes everything. Everything about the way we live begins to change because of the gospel. And when we truly understand it, we actually start to live differently. Because of the gospel, we actually are different. So I have to imagine that these new believers that he's talking to in the Colossian church, uh, their lives are probably beginning to look different than they used to be. Right. So they were they were far from God and now they've come to faith in Christ and it has to be evident to the people around them, you know, their coworkers, right? Their friend friends, their family, the people that they're in contact with that know them, they have to be seeing this change happening. So the way that we live and the way that we pray are tools that God is using to reach the world. If you, look, uh, if you look at what verse 5 and 6 says, Paul is saying that God wants to use our entire lives to share the gospel. Let's, let's read that. It says, it, he says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I mean, what would that look like, right? So let's dig a little deeper into those verses, because the first thing you need to know is that there is an assumption hiding in that first statement. You know, while this translation uses the word uh, live wisely among, uh, another one uses the word toward. So whether we're living among or we're living toward, uh, both point to the assumption that as people who are following Christ and being transformed by the gospel, we are actively engaging outsiders and unbelievers. Following Christ means going where He went. It means getting out of the. It means getting out of the Christian ghetto, right? It means being with the people that Jesus was with. So uh, it's interesting because in in the Gospels, uh, Jesus was constantly attacked uh, based on who he spent time with. And so in, in Luke chapter 5, it, it's described like this. He was actually eating with some tax collectors. And what you had to understand is that at that time, tax collectors were like the most despised people. They were actually uh, Jews who were taxing other Jews on behalf of Rome, and they were, they were like skimming off the top. So it was like they could decide what they wanted to tax. They could just take some. So if you can imagine the, the hatred that people had for them. So the Pharisees, are, are he's, they see him eating with tax collectors and sinners, and they say this to his disciples. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus and his disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? It says, (laughs) That's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty bold word. And so Jesus answered them and he says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. He says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. If that's not a bold statement against thinking that our goodness has something to do with God's acceptance, I don't know what is. But the assumption here is that we are following Jesus and we are with the people who need to know him, right? So live wisely. He says, live, and living wisely, really what he's saying, this, is mean, this means living in constant dependence on Christ. I mean, remember, we were rescued by God's grace, not by our merit. So be careful uh, not to bypass the gospel when you read that instruction. What this is not saying, this is not saying, live in a way that never lets the world see you make a mistake. Live in a way that people can see how good you are. Show them how to live. Be an example of what they should be so they know how bad they are. That's what it's not saying, right? And and actually, Jesus gives a really strong direction against that type of thinking. So again, in Luke, if you go to Luke chapter 18, here's what he says: He's saying this to to the religious leaders of the day. He says, Two men went, he's telling a story. Two men went to to the temple to pray, one of them a Pharisee, and the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, uh, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get, but the tax collector stood off at a distance, and he wouldn't even look up to heaven. This, is just, this breaks me because like so he beats his chest and he says, "God forgive me, I'm a sinner." Then Jesus says this, he says, I tell you this, that man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is what the gospel does. It, it, it actually changes you. When you see it, you, you realize, man, I, I, need, I need the thing that only Christ can give me. So instead of living like that, actually, this is calling us to live in constant dependence on Christ, actively humbling ourselves and glorifying God in every moment, Uh, make the most of every opportunity. That means every single moment is actually filled to overflowing with opportunities to bring glory to God and point others to Him as the source of all hope. Every moment. Living by grace means actually being real. Your realness and your dependence on God is what's attractive. It's not your successes. You you see, whether, whether they'll say it or not, everyone knows that they fall short. Everybody already knows that about themselves. The only difference between you and the world is that you are saved by grace. You are dependent on God for everything, and He never fails. So when you fall short uh, and you struggle, even when you succeed, it's God's grace that's carrying you. When the world fails, when the world falls short, uh, they carry the entire weight of their own self leadership. So when people on the outside see your real life and your struggles, they are actually attracted to your dependence on Christ. See, we all need the grace that's only found in Jesus. So imagine, imagine what that would be like. Imagine inviting the world to be with you as you face challenges and seek refuge in Christ. Letting them rejoice uh, with you and your successes and thank God with you for his mercy and his grace. Imagine allowing others to see you stumble and seek forgiveness. Imagine letting the world see God changing you in real time. So what does every opportunity mean? That means all the time. It means, it means in the ordinary, like in the everyday. It means the happy. It means the sad, it, it, the boring, even in the ugly, because I don't know about you, my life can get very ugly sometimes, uh, but you're letting people into that. You're actually letting people see your dependence on Christ. So uh, what about conversation, letting our conversation be gracious, that also takes constant dependence on God. It it means extending grace to everyone because of the grace God's given you. Uh, It means being quick to forgive and and quick to seek forgiveness. It, It means loving others without regard for their condition. It means that because of the gospel, you see everyone differently. You're actually beginning to see them like God sees them. So uh, this is how Jesus saw people. So in Matthew 9, 36, it says this. It says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You actually start to have compassion where you didn't before. Um, you, you actually you start to see people's needs before your own. Uh, maybe uh, you actually start to become generous where you used to be withdrawn Or or maybe you're like me and you're a total introvert and and you actually find find yourself spending time with other people now uh, because you care about them, not because it comes naturally to you or it's easy. Um, That is the gospel changing you in real time. You see, living wisely and sharing the gospel is not about having all the answers. It's not even about doing all the right things. Or doing all the things right. It's it's actually uh, about letting God use your entire life as a tool to share the gospel. Your words, your time, your thoughts, your actions, your failures, your fears, everything. It's about living in constant dependence on God. You really, you really aren't, if you've come to faith in Christ, you really actually aren't your own anymore. Remember, uh, so like if we went back to Colossians 3, chapter 3, verse 3, it, it says this, it says, For you died to this life, and now your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. What that's saying is God, <laughs> God wants to be seen through you. So I want to take a minute and get like really super practical with this because um, it would, this would all be meaningless if this is just some nice thought that you and I agree on and then we leave here and do nothing with it, right? That would be useless. So uh, maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, I'm ready to share the gospel. Uh, maybe you're even excited about it, but you're like, I just don't know how to do it. Or you have some hesitancy or some fear surrounding that, or you think maybe you aren't equipped to do it, or maybe you're, uh, maybe you're just scared to do it. So let me say this: first thing I want to tell you is, if you have experienced God's grace through the gospel, and what I'm saying is resonating with you, if you're hearing this and you're like, "That's me," uh, let me tell you, you're ready. Because that's all that's necessary, is you've experienced that and God's changing you in real time, you're ready to do that. Um, Because here's the truth God can actually use our most fumbled, terrible attempts at sharing the gospel (laughs) to rescue people from sin and death. So here's what I take solace in. Uh, You know, scripture even says that God uses our foolish preaching. So that means that God is actually using me right now. So uh, if you don't feel skilled in, the, in, in this, it, it, it's okay. You see, it's not your intellect or your ability or your skilled speech that God uses. What He really uses is your dependence on Him and your willingness to follow Him. So we don't change people's hearts. <clears throat> You've got to hear that. That is a supernatural act that God does. That is not what you do. So, that being said, that's that's just like I want to give you some encouragement in that. But that being said, there's still some really practical steps that you can take to grow in your ability to be able to share the gospel with other people. Uh, Step one get with some other growing believers, right? Uh, Reach out to some leaders, maybe here at Lighthouse or some people that you know that are mature Christians. There uh, There are people in God's family who are actually ready to help you. So, practice on them. Do you know who needs to hear the gospel? Everybody does. I need to hear the gospel. Steve needs to hear the gospel. Nikki needs to hear the gospel. We all need to hear it. So it's like practice on each other because we actually need to hear it. So um, I, I would say this. We should be sharing it with each other. So start reading. Here's another step that you can take. You can actually start reading Scripture together with other growing disciples. Uh, did you know, so this is an interesting fact, did you know that God never intended you to read scripture and never talk with anybody else about it, right? God's intention was that you would read it and that you would do it together. So that's, that's a huge part of this. So if you aren't part of a lighthouse group, man, I would say sign up today. I mean, just like pick one and sign up. You know, I... I would tell you, sign up for the Sunday group that says Nungester Lamb. So That's like Steve and Alvin's group, because I know, I know those guys are talking about the gospel. I've been around those guys. I know, you, like, you want to grow in this? Yeah, sign up for their group. You know, another, another great resource that I might point you towards is actually sitting out at the Connection Center. We've got a big pile of them out there. It's this little book called, uh, How Good is Good Enough?, right? Uh, it's an interesting topic, uh, and, and so this might be a really good tool to help you learn how to share the gospel with somebody else, but here's what I'd recommend. Grab a copy of that. Here's what I don't, I would not recommend. This is a bad idea. Grab that copy, go give it to somebody that needs to read it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Actually, grab that book, take that home, open it up, read it front to back yourself. It's only going to take you about an hour, even if you fall asleep. Ask me how I know. I can't read anything without falling asleep, right? So it's not going to take very long. It's a little tiny book, but this is a good read, and this is something that might be really helpful in helping you share the gospel, but it also might be helpful for somebody who, who's far from God. So maybe you go home and read that, and, and then you, you invite someone who God has already given you an opportunity with to read it with you, and then you actually talk about it because you are what God chose to share the gospel with the world, right? Um. <clears throat> So those are like if that's you, those are some really clear steps you can take. But it's it's also possible maybe you're sitting here and and you're you're saying I don't know if I can share the gospel and I'm not even sure I want to. Uh, this what you're saying does not resonate with me. I'm just not I'm not even sure I feel a need to share it with anyone. Uh, or maybe you really you're not even really sure that you understand it. If if that's you, if that's you, here's my advice. And this might sound weird, but uh, don't. don't. If that's you, don't share the gospel. Actually, uh, my, my advice to you would be go read it. I mean, go look for it on every page of Scripture. Pray, <laughs> pray, and ask God to reveal it to you. Read it with some other followers of Jesus. Start, join, join a layout group. They're going to do it. Um, there's no better place to read Scripture than together with other growing believers. Because uh, here's, here's a, a short story from my life. Um, so this was my story. I grew up in a family who was you know, people were following Christ, and I accepted Christ at a young age. And, uh, and at the same time, I was an adult with children of my own before I ever really understood the gospel. It's like there was a day where it was like it all became really crystal clear to me. And, and, and God changed my life when I saw his grace. I mean, it just broke me. And so I thought, I thought, I even said this, um, that I never heard the gospel. Nobody ever preached the gospel to me. Like, how come nobody ever told me about this? Why didn't I know about this? But here's the truth. Uh, I I heard the gospel. If anybody who was ever dependent on Christ was living in my presence, I heard the gospel. If anybody ever stumbled through sharing John three sixteen with me, I heard the gospel. If they shared any verse from Scripture with me, I heard the gospel. If anybody ever loved me enough to pray for me, I heard the gospel. But my eyes being open to God's grace was something supernatural that God had to do. So let me tell you, having your eyes open to the beauty and the reality of God's grace is a supernatural act. You can't do it yourself. And no one can do it for you. So God is the only one that does it. And that is a prayer that he's actually ready to answer right now. So uh, God says, if you seek him, you will find him. Go fall in love with the gospel and be overwhelmed by it. Go be captivated by it. Let it, uh, Let it overwhelm you. See what Jesus has done and then surrender to it. Because if you do, if you do that, sharing the gospel is actually something that's just going to start to happen. Uh, it's going to flow out of you. Actually, as it gets down into your heart, it's going to like ooze out of every pore. Uh, when, when you're cut, it's the thing that you'll bleed, right? It just comes out. So just go let it consume you because uh, that, that's what you need. Maybe that you're here today, and this is actually the first time that you're really hearing the gospel, Maybe God's opening your eyes to it right now. If that's the case, uh, I would say you don't, you don't have to wait. <laughs> you can actually choose Jesus as your forgiver and leader and start following him right now. Uh, maybe you're actually like me, and, uh, and you've, been, uh, you've kind of been struggling to pray. Now Allow me to let you in on a little secret from verse 2. Uh, the English trans- translation of verse 2 doesn't really do it justice. Uh, what the, the Greek is actually saying is if we read it word for word, it would say, continue praying together, spending time together in prayer with thanksgiving. That's not a by-yourself thing, right? There's actually a lot of plurality there. This is believers together. This clearly is not an individual thing. It's doing this with other growing believers. So when was the last time that you gathered together with other believers just to pray? You know, maybe your answer to that question is like mine, and and maybe not for a long time, uh, maybe never. So uh, here's what that could look like. Imagine what it would look like if uh, for a group of you to gather together. Hey, maybe you're a small group. I keep talking about small groups a lot. Uh, maybe your small group gets together just to pray. Uh, this is what that could look like. It's not you not have to look like this, but maybe you get together, you invite some people over, you have a meal, uh, and uh, and then read some scripture, spend some time thanking God in prayer for His grace, praying for open doors for the gospel. Then then spend some more time praying for open mouths to speak the gospel. Maybe that God would open your mouth and help you speak it with clarity. Then, maybe you grab some dessert, right? And then after dessert, you, you spend some time praying together for God to open hearts to receive the gospel. Praying for people who are far from God. Praying that, that you would speak it clearly as you should. Praying that you would live every moment in complete dependence on God. You see, God wants to use your prayers and your lives as tools for the gospel. God's filled every moment with opportunity to be part of his mission to rescue the world from sin and death and you are who he wants to use to do it we end every every message this way at lighthouse and i want to take just a minute let's just all close our eyes and bow our heads and we're going to ask this question we're we'll going to ask this one question god what are you saying to me through your word let's just take a minute just to listen you know maybe God's calling you to faith maybe he's calling you to uh, um, to trust him maybe he's calling you to to go share the gospel with somebody but ask God that question and then and then hear what he has to say this is a moment for action we care really, really deeply about prayer here at Lighthouse, and we have uh, uh, we have prayer partners who actually are going to start making their way. Uh, there's going to be one in in each of the corners of the room up here at the front, and two people at the back, and uh, and they're actually ready to pray with you. Um, so if you uh, if you for any single reason need prayer. Uh, I would encourage you, you don't have to wait. You can go pray with these people right now. We're going to sing another song here. And, uh, and during that time, uh, I just want to encourage you, uh, take advantage of that these people are, are ready to pray with you, and, and everyone needs prayer. But before we do that, I want to I take just a minute and pray for you. Heavenly Father, I, I am just overwhelmed by the truth of your gospel. God, I know that this is is the thing that you've used to to get our hearts and that you just desire for us to walk with you. God, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9:09 or 11:11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.